0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Group. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for other great podcasts. You're listening to CoffinCast. Please be aware that this is a dark subject matter and may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. To to CoffinCast episode 28. I am your host, Kristen. Happy Monday, or middle of your week, or end of your week, whenever you're listening. I hope it's a happy time for you. Of course it's happy, because you're hanging out with me now. That's always a happy time. It's a happy time for me. I look forward to it every week. Even though I've been a little late the past couple of weeks, um, I need to manage my time better, because recording after work is very stressful. Um, I want to hang out with my kid. I want to rest because my job is very mentally taxing. So it's hard to, you know, get off work and then come home straight away and record. It's not easy. And to top it off this week, I am a little under the weather. I don't know if it's just allergies because the trees in Texas are horny and they're shooting pollen everywhere. Which is not cool trees. You gotta cut it out. I mean... P- put, like, you know, I don't know. Get a room with each other instead of just shooting it everywhere. I'm so sick of it. But my nose has been stuffed up and runny. It's been relentless. I cannot get relief no matter what I do. I've tried taking everything I can think of. Done nasal sprays. I'm... I'm over it. Um, so... There's probably going to be some sniffling in the episode and I am physically and kind of mentally taxed just from not sleeping because I can't breathe, so I will do my best to edit out any weird sniffles or throat clearings or anything like that. So before we get started with this episode, there's some podcast news. There's a lot this week, so I just want to kind of go over a few things as shortly as I can just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on it's nothing bad it's all great stuff I'm super excited the podcast has been growing leaps and bounds guys I'm I'm humbled by how well it's been going the past few weeks I've had record download ship is that a word I don't know but it is now lots of listens I've gotten some new reviews which, hey, if you haven't reviewed yet, can you just shoot me a review? I mean, I, I get that, you know, selecting a few stars is kind of difficult, or logging into Paw Chaser and reviewing me there is kind of hard, I guess. I don't know. But if you can, you don't have to write anything, just select some stars, preferably five if you can. So let's get into this. Um, there's a new logo coming. Why? because I kept seeing people with really cute logos, with cartoony stuff, and avatars for themselves, and I wanted that. So I'm working with artist Mackenzie Lemoyne, as of right now, and I'm gonna say this, Said it on Twitter, I'm gonna say it here too. When I saw the rough draft of what she's working on for me, I squeaked. You've heard my voice, do I sound like a squeaker? I was so excited. It looks so good, and I think you guys are really going to like it. And it's going to look amazing on merch once I get that started. And I'll finally be able to get a t-shirt situation going. Um, I do have one on BigHeadsMedia.com. But I think with this logo, it'll be a little bit more fun and something you'll be more proud to wear and whatnot. And I'll also get some mugs and stickers and things like that. Also... I'm working on a monthly podcast in addition to CoffinCast. Um, it's called Planchettes. I might be rethinking the name because it doesn't seem very catchy. But if you go to at Planchettes Bar on Twitter, you can kind of get an idea of what it's going to be about, what it revolves around. I don't want to give too much away because I think, I think a lot of people are going to be excited once it comes out because it's It's different from any kind of audio drama I've heard, but I mean, it's going to have the same elements, but there's going to be a kind of a little twist that's going to be kind of exciting. Told a few people about it and they they were really excited about it. Still going to be kind of in the paranormal, um, supernatural realm of things. So look out for that. I'm hoping by next month I'll have something down. I'm working on a story for it right now and doing auditions for somebody to read it because it's a guy's story I can't read like a man I mean I can try but I'd rather somebody else do it also um it's going to take a community effort because in addition to being an audio drama it's going to be going to be a storytelling drama as well Storytelling drama? Storytelling project. So it's going to require, you know, people to submit stories, record stories, and send them in. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking for input from you guys and from other podcasters. So I have a few people that are interested. But we'll get going on that also. The Patreon episode this month on Cast The Afterlife is going to be The Life of Maria Rasputin the daughter of the Rasputin. So it's going to be pretty interesting. She had a really interesting life. So once I get that up, it'll be up. (laughs) Once I get that up, it'll be up. There you go. Um, It should be either the end of this week or next week because I still have to do coffin casts in the meantime. And also last but not least, in fact, I think this is the most important of all, Australia is on fire right now, guys. I know I have some Australian listeners. And when I was thinking, okay, I've had 3,000 episodes. I was like, usually I celebrate every 1,000. And it's like, okay, what do I do? Done a giveaway. Gotten a tattoo. But I don't want to do something for me. Um, So what we're doing from now until February 1st is all advertising money. All Patreon money, any kind of contribution that you give will be going to Wildlife Warriors, which is a wildlife charity run by the Irwin family of Steve Irwin fame. I want to let you know exactly where that money is going to. It's going to be going to building habitats for animals that have been affected by human impact, drought, and wildfires, There's also been an influx of flying foxes at the Australia Zoo Wildlife Hospital. Those are fruit bats. They are probably my second favorite animal. (laughs) That's not why I chose this charity. Um, It just kind of coincided after reading more into it after I chose it. But they have had a huge amount of admissions um, this particular fire season and expanding the ward specifically for them will allow them to get more care while undergoing treatment. And also, they're going to be designing um, a place for orphaned flying foxes to learn how to be wild again before being released into a wild colony. So they're not going to be kept in a zoo. They're going to be re-released, but they have to take care of them first. They're also going to send medical supplies to wildlife rescuers and carers on the front line of the fire-affected areas. They're going to be putting together bat care packs to be sent home with wildlife carers. And those will include bottles, milk, formula, and bat wraps. That's gotta be the best kind of wrap ever, (laughs) a bat wrap. Um, Also, they're going to construct a climate controlled intensive care ward for koala patients that have been affected by this. Um, A lot of koalas have been coming in. You've seen the pictures, burnt koalas this is bad um this whole bushfire situation is not good we're losing probably thousands maybe even millions of animals because of this um i'm wondering if there's going to be some species that are completely wiped out by this fire we gotta do better (laughs) we really gotta do better We can't... We can't let this happen again. And if it does happen, we gotta do what we gotta do to make it right. And, I mean, that's where this advertising of Patreon money is going to be going. Even processing fees, I'm gonna take care of those so that way they get all the money that... You guys have put into it um, by listening and contributing. But even if you don't want to do it that way, if you don't want to listen to my podcast to earn that money, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Do research. Find charities that can help out if you want to donate directly. If you want to donate to this one directly without listening, that's fine too. I will not be offended. Just go to azwh.com. B-L-A-C-K-B-A-U-D slash sites.com. And there you can um, see where they're at as far as fundraising and also donate directly. So if you don't listen to me, please donate at least. But every listen, even if you just put it on mute and just let it run, that's fine. I, I want to do big things for this um uh, for this charity because it's it's needed i'm sure you've seen the videos i'm sure you've seen the pictures this is this is bad ladies and gentlemen and we need to do something about it all right so now that we're completely happy and not totally bummed out let's get into this week's episode dun, dun, dun. This week, it's Kristen's curated list of strange and unusual deaths, volume three, the wrestling edition. Yay, we love these strange and unusual death lists, don't we? So I have to preface this episode by saying this I am not currently into wrestling. Hear me out. I, I was as a kid, but it's just not my thing anymore. When I was little, in the 80s, I was obsessed with wrestling. I mean, not, not I wouldn't even say obsessed. I liked it um, mostly because my brother was pretty into it, and he was the epitome of cool to me at the time. No offense, Alan, if you're listening. Um, so I wanted to do whatever he did, and I wanted to like whatever he liked. I loved watching Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, and my favorites were Rowdy Rod Piper and Lou Albano, Captain Lou. I loved Lou because of his work with Cyndi Lauper and the fact that he wore ponytail ties in his beard and I wore ponytails. And he was an old guy wearing ponytails. Or not ponytails, but like the ties in his beard and he wore the same ones I wore. So it was a natural match, of course, by five-year-old Logic. And Rowdy Rod, I loved because he was the bad guy in the cartoon, so... When I was a kid, I really liked villains and cartoons for some reason. But as I grew, wrestling just wasn't my thing anymore. That doesn't mean I have ever bad wrestling or made fun of it. I get the appeal. I get the entertainment value of it. It's basically physical theater. So why am I doing an episode on it if it's not my thing? Nostalgia, for one. Because again, like like I said, as a kid, I did enjoy it. But two, a lot of my Twitter followers are into it. Some of my biggest supporters are wrestling fans, and I wanted to say thank you to them for their support by dedicating this episode of Coffin Cast to them specifically. Thank you. So let's pile drive headfirst into some unfortunate wrestling deaths. So in this edition of Christian's curated list of strange and unusual deaths, edition three, the wrestling edition, these deaths all took place in the ring. So there's some wrestling deaths that occurred outside. There's some crimes perpetuated by some wrestlers that took place outside of the ring. This is all going to focus on ones that happened in the ring in front of an audience In front of people. Because that's shocking as fuck. So just want to preface it by saying a couple things. I know. Rowdy Rod is not his name. I know it's Rowdy Roddy. I just want to put this out there. Because I know wrestling fans are super passionate. So I know it's Rowdy Roddy. Piper. But as a five year old. Rowdy Roddy is not easy to say. (laughs) Um, so I just called him Rowdy Rod and that's what he's been, you know, since I was a little kid. And I, I want to say, you know, when he did die, I was pretty sad because I was a fan of his, even as an adult, when I would see him on other things, I really liked him. I don't think he was a heel in the ring. I could be wrong. Might've been a heel, but if he wasn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't see him as a bad guy because I've seen him in things outside of the ring, and he just seemed like a pretty cool guy and a good father and a good family man, so... Rest in peace, Rowdy Roddy. I'm sorry you're gone. But let's let's get into this list, shall we? So first... Men aren't the only ones to meet their ends in the ring. Women were wrestling way back when as well. So for this one, we're going all the way back to 1951 when... Women's wrestling was on par with stripping and burlesque and things like that. It was kinky. But not to the women. They just wanted to do what the men were doing. Understandably so. So Janet Boyer Wolf, or sometimes known as her stage name, Jeanette Wolf, was born in 1933. And her foster father, Billy Wolf, was a wrestling promoter for NWA, the National Wrestling Association, And his wife, Mildred Burke, was a female wrestler. They were training her to become Mildred's successor. Mildred was ready to throw in the towel and she wanted someone to be her successor. And Jeanette just happened to fit the bill. At the age of 18, Jeanette started to wrestle and she was promising. She was doing a good job. She was doing so well that she was often scheduled to beat Mae Young, who was and still is a legend in wrestling. She has passed but she's still considered one of the first female legends of wrestling. Six months into her wrestling career, on July 27, 1951, she was wrestling Ella Waldeck, who body slammed her hard on the mat on her stomach. She complained of having a headache and not feeling well, but she still had a tag match later that evening against Ella. She went on to do it, And she wrestled for a few minutes and did well before she had to tag her partner evilly. And once she tagged her and got over the ropes, she promptly collapsed on the ring curtain. Jeanette died a few hours later without regaining consciousness. Immediately, Ella was labeled a murderer. And she, as well as the other women in the tag match, were arrested. They did end up being released, and it came out that Jeanette had a clot in her brain which looked to have formed six to seven days prior, meaning Ella was not at fault at all. But it was used, of course, to make her a little more notorious and make her a heel. But either way, side note, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins fame has owned NWA since 2017. Just kind of a fun little tidbit there. Story number two, Luther Lindsay. Luther Lindsay was a trailblazer and he was one of the first black wrestlers to become a star. He was born Luther Goodall on December 30, 1924, on a farm outside Norfolk, Virginia. He was a college football player and a wrestler, but started out his career mainly playing football. He was playing segregated football before moving to play in Canada. After playing for two years, he ended up moving into wrestling back in the States. His earliest match was in 1951. It was then that he adopted his wife's surname and started going by Luther Lindsay. Even though he was being billed as a champ, he was only legally allowed to travel with other black wrestlers and wrestle them as well. That all changed in the 1950s when he wrestled Ron Wright in Tennessee, becoming the first black man to wrestle a white man south of D.C. The National Guard was brought out for fear of a riot, but surprisingly enough, the crowd favored Lindsay. With his success that night, the NWA brought in more black wrestlers. He wrestled for various wrestling organizations through the late 50s and 60s, and he enjoyed a large amount of fame, being billed as a legend. During this time, he became best friends with Stu Hart of the Hart Wrestling Dynasty and actually defeated him in the famous Hart Dungeon, which was a pretty big deal at the time. And his age didn't seem to slow him down. Until February 2nd, 1972. He was wrestling a local Charlotte wrestler, Bobby Paul, and Luther, who was 47 at the time, performed a diving belly flop onto Bobby, pinning him to the mat. They did the count, and Luther won. Only, Luther did not get back up. Luther was dead. They got his body off to a dressing room where he was officially pronounced dead. He suffered a fatal heart attack when he landed on his opponent. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2017. These ones are lumped together, Alberto Torres and Ray Gunkel. In the early 50s, the Torres brothers, Alberto, Ramon, and later Enrique, were considered some of the nicest guys in wrestling and were building their own wrestling dynasty. There isn't a lot out there about Alberto as a person, but I can only tell you about what happened to him. In 1971... It was a tag match between Alberto Torres with Cowboy Bob Ellis versus Ox Baker and the Claw. So, we're going to talk about Ox Baker a little bit. (laughs) A lot of people know who he is. I knew him based on sight. I didn't remember his name until I saw him. I was like, oh, that guy. So, Ox Baker had a catchphrase I love to hurt people. Also, he had a signature move the heart punch. So if I were to describe it to you, the heart punch would be a punch to the heart. Simple enough. Well, Alberto was at the receiving end of this heart punch and his pancreas ruptured. He died three days later in a hospital. A year later, Ox lost a match to Ray Gunkel, who later died in the locker room. The cause of death was the result of repeated heart trauma, or a repeated heart punch. Now, before you go, oh, Kristen, be fair, this isn't Ox's fault. It's what happens to a body while wrestling. Normally, I'd be like, yeah, it's unfortunate that this poor guy got blamed for this. He was just doing his job. Well, the deaths were actually worked into his persona as a heel, or in non-wrestling fan terms, the villain. He used it for notoriety. Listen to this.
1: Come on. The other night, I was beating somebody up, and I went to the dressing room, and I got disqualified again because I kept pounding on that man, and the referee, again, this Mickey Mouse referee, disqualified the fantastic Ox Baker. I got a call from Jimmy Hart, and he said, Ox Baker, I heard that you got a goal in life that you like to beat people up. You like to torture people that you killed two men in the ring. Yes, that's all true. I've never told the wrestling fans anywhere in the country that I'm the world's greatest wrestler. I've never told everybody I know all the wrestling moods. I was glad Jimmy Hart called me. He told me he has an enemy that he wants destroyed, not just beat up with that heart punch of mine, which I've made famous all over the world. I love to hurt people. I love to get in the ring and watch them fall down, and like the two men that I killed. You know, their wives asked me if I apologized to them about their husbands. Their husbands were not in shape. And Jerry Lawler, if you're not in shape when you step in the ring with Oshmaker, and when I raised this heart punch, two men never went home to their families after I hit them with them. I'm famous for the heart punch in death matches. Two men didn't make it home after I hit them with this heart punch. Last week, I ripped a tooth out of a man's mouth. I like to beat people up. And Jimmy Hart, I hope the people thank you for bringing the fantastic Ox Baker. People of Memphis, people of the world, you might not know me when I stepped in front of this TV. But when I finish up in Memphis, you're going to forget about Elvis, you're going to forget about Jerry Laura, and the only thing you're going to rethink about is Oxbaker. Because I love to hurt people, and Jerry Laura, I'm going to hurt you.
0: So, sure, it may have been a persona, but mocking the death of two men and their widows. Yeah, I'm not about that. Number four, Malcolm King Kong Kirk. We travel across the pond to the UK for this one. Malcolm King Kong Kirk was born December 18th, 1936 in West Yorkshire. He started out as a rugby player, a professional rugby player with the Featherstone Rovers. Then he moved to the Wakefield Trinity, the Castleford Tigers, and a couple of games with the Doncaster Dons. It was there he met a fellow rugby player who moved on to wrestling and inspired him to do the same. Due to his size, he was billed as the heel, again, a bad guy. But wrestlers loved to wrestle against him because he was very careful with them. Bret Hart, who we all know, said that he would pin you, and even with his 350-plus frame, it was as light as if he covered you with a blanket. That's a direct quote. He was also good with kids and very friendly with everyone outside of the ring. While he was a British wrestler, he wrestled some big names stateside, such as Andre the Giant and, of course, the aforementioned Brett the Hitman Hart. August twenty third, 1987. He was in a tag match against good guy Big Daddy Crabtree. Big Daddy had a famous finishing move called the Big Daddy Splashdown. A splashdown is when a wrestler takes a jump and lands stomach-to-stomach stomach sideways across an opponent. Malcolm was supposed to react by kicking his legs from the impact, but... He didn't move at all. In fact, he was turning blue. Crabtree got up, but Kirk didn't. He told his corner man that something was wrong, and several people got on stage to try to revive Kirk, but due to his size, they were unable to. He died on the way to the hospital. Big Daddy and his promoter went right away to the police station, and they were cleared, but the incident had a lasting effect on him. He said, quote, As long as I live, I'll never forget him laid there on the canvas, instead of on his feet, raging and flying about, and that will stay with me. A doctor later blamed an undiagnosed heart condition and said he was likely dead as soon as he fell to the canvas. Number 5. Brian Ong Brian Ong was training to wrestle at the All Pro Wrestling Boot Camp in 2001. Ong was born in 1974 in Concord, California and had dreams of becoming a wrestler since childhood. Once, while in training, he had suffered a concussion but was allowed to continue once he had recovered. He was put up against the Great Khalil in a training exercise when Khalil lifted him up into a flapjack. The Great Khalil is seven plus feet tall. Ong was not a large guy. A flapjack is a scripted move when one of the opponents runs at the other while the stationary one lifts the runner's leg. Then they both fall back with the runner's face hitting the mat. Ong fell awkwardly and hit his tailbone and his head both hard onto the mat. Ong died of a second concussion shortly thereafter. His family sued APW for not stopping him from wrestling after the first concussion and won $1.3 million. Our final story, number 6, Owen Hart. I'm aware I'm jumping in dates a little, but that's because I think this last one had the biggest impact on wrestling fans and I want to give it the respect it's due. Owen James Hart was born May 7, 1965 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. He was born into the Hart family, which is sometimes referred to as the Hart dynasty. The patriarch of the family was Stu Hart, who I mentioned in a previous story, and he was a wrestler and he owned a wrestling school he called the Hart Dungeon. He trained wrestlers such as Edge, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, and all eight of his sons, most notably Owen and Brett. Owen initially didn't want to be a wrestler, even though he did so in high school, but as sometimes happens with family businesses, you get sucked in. He was trained at the Heart Dungeon in Canada. So what I kind of gathered from doing my research and whatnot, the Hearts were basically the Canadian version of the McMahons. Stop me if I'm wrong, but this is just what I gathered from research. So if I'm incorrect, please let me know. He started with his father's Canadian wrestling federation, Stampede, before moving to England to wrestle, then to Japan, then moving back to Stampede. He stayed there for a while before being called up to wrestle with the WWF in 1988. His older brother, Bret Hart, was already a big name in the WWF, but he didn't want to ride his coattails. So he became the Blue Blazer, a goofy, somewhat buffoonish superhero with a luchador-esque blue and red mask. He made his debut in the 1988 Survivor Series, fighting alongside such big names as Ultimate Warrior, Brutus Beefcake, Sam Houston, and Jim Brunzel. After a year with WWF, he went back to Stampede and continued to travel back to Japan and even have some matches in Mexico. He ended up returning to the WWF in 1991. He wrestled alongside his brother Brett in a lot of tag matches, but there was some controversy between them as well. Whether it was manufactured for the ring or if it bled outside of the ring is anyone's guess, but it made for good TV nonetheless. During this time, he was no longer the blue blazer. He wrestled as Owen Hart, donning pink and black, and sometimes, as a jab to his older brother, he'd wear his signature sunglasses. And Owen did well. He won a lot of the smaller events, and after winning the 1994 King of the Ring tournament, he dubbed himself the King of Hearts. Spelled H-A-R-T-S. Another jab at his brother, perhaps. In 1997, Owen had a running feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin that was going to culminate in the SummerSlam tournament in August. It was going to be what was referred to as a, quote, kiss my ass, end quote, match, where Owen had to put his title up for the match. But if Owen won, Austin would have to kiss his ass. Literally. Well, during that match, Owen botched a pile driver on Steve Austin, and Austin ended up falling right on his head and injuring his neck. Austin won, but couldn't take the title due to his injury. It was an accident, but Owen had to use it. They have to use it. Owen started wearing a shirt that said, Owen 316-I-just-broke-your-neck a play on Austin's Austin 316, which was a play on the verse John 316. But let's move the story along. From here, we move to Over the Edge 1999, May 23rd, 1999 to be exact. Owen was back to being the Blue Blazer. To enter the ring, Owen was going to be lowered from the ceiling into the ring, where he would hit the quick release button to land on his face as a comical move in his match against The Godfather. His wife didn't want him to do it, and he didn't want to do it. But as with a lot of entertainment careers, there's pressure to push the envelope, regardless of the risk involved. As he was being lowered, somehow the quick-release button was engaged, and he fell 78 feet down to the ring, hitting his chest on the top rope just a few inches from the turnbuckle before he collapsed into the ring. A lot of the people in the crowd thought it was planned, but when the fall happened on the pay-per-view event, a pre-taped vignette was playing so it didn't air. When the cameras came back, they focused on the audience while it was announced that this was not part of the show and it was an accident by Jim Ross. He was taken away but died due to his injuries, the full cause of death being internal bleeding due to blunt force trauma. Jim Ross made this announcement later in the broadcast
1: here at uh, in Kansas City Uh, tragedy befell the World Wrestling Federation and all of us Owen Hart was uh, set to make an entrance from the ceiling and uh, he fell from the ceiling and I have the unfortunate responsibility to let everyone know that Owen Hart has died Owen Hart has tragically died from that accident here tonight.
0: The video was never released and his wife Martha Hart sued the WWF and it ended up being settled out of court for 18 million. With some of that money, Martha created the Owen Hart Foundation which provides scholarships for low-income children to go to college, as well as housing for low-income families. The couple also had two children together Hart was widely considered to be one of the best wrestlers of all time by his colleagues. I hope I did this episode justice, it, it was very important to me that I do this respectfully and I know there's some really passionate wrestling fans out there, I say wrestling fans are one of the most passionate fandoms there is, and I hope I did this right. If there's anything that I got wrong, anything that needs fixing. Let me know. Email me at coffincastpod at gmail.com and I will be happy to make amends on a future episode if I need to. Just be gentle. I'm delicate. And I want to do things right. Know that in my heart, I genuinely have good intentions, so if I did something wrong, let me know. Also, you can find me on Twitter at coffincast with a capital C. On Instagram at Pod. And on Facebook, just by searching CoffinCast, you can find me. Your best bet to reaching me is through Gmail or through Twitter, because those are the two I'm good at. I suck at Instagram. I'm I'm showing my age. <laughs> I'm turning into an old woman where I don't understand the newfangled social media things. Just a reminder, any money that this podcast gets from January 9th, 2020 to February 1st, 2020, is going to the Wildlife Warriors Every listen equals money. It's not a lot, but it equals something. And something is better than nothing. So listen as much as you can. Get other people to listen. Even if you just mute it and let it go, that's fine. I don't care. I care more about these animals than I care about you listening to my podcast. So anything you can do to help, even if you want to go directly to their website and donate there, that's fine. I'm I'm totally okay with it. And also, if you put money on my Patreon and you delete it later, that's okay too. You don't have to lock in for more than one month. So you can do that if you want to just donate for this month. That's perfectly fine with me. I'll even probably hold it over until February 2nd because I don't know exactly when the money for Patreon gets taken out. Because I haven't taken any money from the ones that I've gotten so far. But as of right now, let me get my info from listens I have 164, but that's going to go up because $1.64 but that's going to go up because the anchor just doesn't update in real time but also I got a donation of $10 from AAUB you've heard his name before he's one of our patrons he's amazing Aaron thank you also from our Patreons this month we have a total of we'll have a total of $6, but I'm going to use the Patreon money from the previous months because I haven't gotten it out yet. So that's going to put us at 11 total. No, wait. That's going to put us at $16. So it's going to be 26 plus the 164. So 2764 as of right now. That's not bad. That's really not bad for just announcing it a couple days ago, but we can do better. Can't we? I think we can. Do you think we can? I think we can. So if you can listen, if you can donate, do whatever you can, and let's get this done. Let's make this right for these animals. They don't deserve it. Let's make it right. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and say, life is but a dream walking, but death is going home. I love you. Have an excellent week. Keep listening, keep donating, keep doing your thing. Let's 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 make a let's make a ward for these animals. They deserve it. Love you guys. Have a great week.